0: Welcome to the King's Chapel Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Second Samuel chapter 5, go to verse 6 through 8. And the king and his men went to Jerusalem against the Jebusites. So the Jebusites, the definition of a Jebusite, the name Jebusite, how many of you know names mean things? Jebusite means strong polluter. So Joshua and, and the, the tribes were supposed to evict all of the people out of the promised land, but they didn't. There's a lot of discussion about why that is, but the fact is they didn't do it. They didn't subjugate the land. They didn't fully take the land. They let people stay. And one of the folks that stayed are these Jebusites, and it's a fascinating thing where the Jebusites are. They're in the very place that Abraham went to bring Isaac to sacrifice on Mount Moriah. It's the same place of property. And he's there and the Jebusites are there and he's going to kick them out of Zion. He's going to kick them out of what then becomes Jerusalem of the city of David. You shall not come in here, but the blind and the lame will repel you, <laughs> meaning we don't even need to have a real army here. This, listen, you're so lame. This is what they said to David, trash talk. It didn't, it didn't start, you know, on, on a football team or something. It, who won, by the way? Come on, go Buccaneers, Hallelujah. I was for Kansas City because KC stands for King's Cathedral and Chapels. But then when I saw they were losing, I switched to the Buccaneers, and I'm rejoicing. <laughs> I don't care for either of those teams. God bless you. Praise God. Anyway. So they say, they say, you're so lame, David, that we don't even need to have a real army. We have lame and blind folk here. We're just going to put them up against you because that's enough. You, you, you're, you're lame. You're, you're just lame. No competition here. Our lame and our blind people will repel you. You, There's nothing you can do about it. Good luck. I mean, that's what they're saying. They're totally trash-talking him. And the enemy would love to say that to you. Oh, "Oh, there's no open door. Constantly yapping like one of those dogs that try to just yap at you, the irritating, saying you're not going to accomplish it. It's not going to happen. They're not going to get saved. You're not going to get... Tell them to shut it. Everybody say shut it. That's pretty good, And I love how it says, nevertheless, in verse 7, nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion. That is the city of David. What becomes the city of David. Now David said on that day, whoever climbs up by the water shaft and defeats the Jebusites, the lame and the blind who are hated by David's soul, he shall be chief and captain. The blind and the lame shall not come into the house. What happens is his commander, his name is Joab, and you can go and read this. Joab swims up the water shaft. Now, there's some arguments about what the water shaft is. Some people believe that the water shaft is the water shaft that was basically a, uh, a sewage pipe. And so he had to swim up that thing. Who would expect that some soldier would swim up the sewage pipe, get the key and open the gate and let everybody in? And that's the key of David. That's where that comes from. Somebody said, oh, it's not a sewage pipe. It's it's the water shaft. Well, whatever. He had to swim up whatever it is and get the key and open the gate. So it is that Jesus holds the key that has power and authority. That's what that means. Jesus, the key of David. Revelation chapter 1 and 17. There's some ideas of keys through Scripture here. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. He placed it in his right hand. and means said do not be afraid. I'm the first and the last. I'm the living one. I was dead. And now look, I'm alive forevermore. I hold the keys of death and in Matthew 6 and 16, I just quoted it. What sort of you bind on earth will be bound in heaven? There's keys to unlock. There's always a key. There's always a wisdom. There's always a power from God to unlock. Every closed place. And if it's closed, if you know God's will and it's closed to you, it's only closed temporarily. It could be a timing issue. How many of you know God always answers prayer? Every prayer he always answers. It might not be the prayer the answer to prayer that you want. It's yes, no, and wait. Those are the three answers to prayer. How do you know when it's no? How do you know when it's yes? How do you Be a part of the Discover track. Go through that. Get plugged into our Foundations class. Get into a team. We'll teach you all of that. It's another message. Jesus has opened a door that no man can shut. Verse 7. These things says he who is holy, who is true. He who has the key of David. There's a door in heaven for those who trust him that's open. The Bible says that Jesus is the door, the sheepfold gate. He he is the door. He is the the way, as I said. Hebrews 9, verse 24. For Christ has not entered the holy place made with hands which are copies of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Not that he should offer himself often as the high priest entered the most holy place every year with the blood of another. Verse 26 of Hebrews 9. He would then have to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now, once at the end of the ages, he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And it was appointed for men to die, and it is appointed for men to die once, but after that the judgment. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. And then in Hebrews ten and nineteen, therefore brothers, brethren, sisterin—that's a joke, sisterin. Okay. And therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he has consecrated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. My, my, my. There's a door that's open because of what Jesus has done. There's a door of provision. There's a door of breakthrough. There's a door of healing. There's a door. Whatever human need you have, the door has been opened by Jesus. Come on, somebody give a praise to God. Come on, shout to God. He made a way for you. He made a way. A new and living way. That word that I gave you is as sure and true as any word I've ever given. He's making a new and living way for you. He's going to do that. Revisit that again. Come on, someone say, the door is open for me. Say, the door shut to the devil. Some Jamaican song about shut the door to the devil. I can't remember what it was. I was going to have Pastor Kirsten sing that, but we didn't, we didn't practice nearly enough. He opens the heavens. Somebody said, "I'm praying for an open heaven." There already is one, according to Scripture. According to Scripture, if you understand what Jesus has done, there's already an open heaven. Now, let to pray for an open heaven. Somebody said, "Rend the heavens and come down." He did. There's an open door for witness in Acts fourteen twenty-seven. Turn there if you would. Acts 14. Acts 14, 27. I was uh, so blessed this morning as the place was filled to capacity. We, we we're so sorry that there's not enough parking, but we'll have a new building and we'll move into it. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. Yeah. We've had breakthrough there. Just a few more things to come to see the full release of that. If you'll continue to pray for those uh, different uh, uh, things that need to drop into place, the appraisal for our building and uh, an audit. All of those we're ready for. It's going to be great. Come on, somebody say, "Amen." amen. As we move through, we'll be fully funded, and then we got to tell Wally to hurry up and finish. Amen. Amen. <laughs> amen. Couldn't have done it without Wally and Shiloh Construction. Couldn't it? Couldn't have done it. Couldn't have done it. Couldn't have done it without you. Couldn't have done it without God. The whole thing's a miracle. He told us to build an ark, and we did not build a canoe. We built an ark. Come on, somebody. <laughs> There's an open door. Say it. There's an open door. Acts 14, I think some you are still turning there. I had a lady say to me, I think I recall seeing her many years ago. She was part of another church, and she's with us for the first time in a long time this morning. She said, man, it's so good to be back in a church that's hellfire and brimstone. I was like, did I preach that? I'm not sure I preached preach that. So I said, amen. Are you one of those hellfire churches? Yeah. Any real church would be. It's an aspect. of you camp out on that, it can be kind of intense and depressing. We prefer to camp out around the resurrection, power of God. Come on, the kingdom of God, the glory of God. Hell is real. Hell is real. Jesus taught on it. And that's why we witness. That's why we share our faith. Acts 14, 27. Now when they had come and gathered the church together, they reported all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. So they stayed there a long time. Turn to 1 Corinthians 16. Turn to 1 Corinthians 16. Verse 8. The apostle Paul says, but I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a great and effective door has opened to me. I'm telling you, a door has been opened and we are going to go through it. A door has been opened for me and my family, a door has been opened for you and your family, a door has been opened for the church. Will you go through? Will you go through it? Come on, say yes. Yes. I've seen the door swing wide open on the hinge of history and people stay in their cages, stay in their apathy, stay in their dysfunction. I'm here to preach you out of that and to tell you that there's something better. There's another place. There's a breakthrough There's healing divine. There's encouragement. There's strength. There's a place where the yoke breaks. There's a place where there's no depression. There's a place of hope and healing and health. Come on in provision. Can you say amen? Shake yourself from the past season. Go through the open door. There's an open door. My whole family's getting saved. Come on, say it. My whole family's getting saved. Man, I'm feel so on fire. I feel like I could swing out over hell on a cornstalk and spit in the devil's eye. Is <laughs> there any cornstalk swinging devil spitters out there? I'm gonna land some droplets right in his eyeball for the glory of God. A door to witness. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Here we go. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. My mother told me to do that. 2 Corinthians 2, 12. Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach the gospel, and a door was opened to me by the Lord. Who opened the door? The Lord. And I'm going to tell you that doors open by prayer, doors open by action, doors open by decree. You've got to, if things are shut, speak the word of the Lord. Declare, listen, we don't have this, pr- this power conference just so we can just have another conference. I'm not into just having another anything. I really would prefer to just hang out with my wife at home. That's like our favorite thing to do. Eat food, fellowship, worship. Read the Word, have a cup of coffee, and then have another cup. And some more. And rejoice. You're not having a conference, because we're trying to like... Ha- not where you're supposed to be, you're supposed to have a conference. 21st century, you have a conference. No, we're having a conference so that you could be empowered with the fire of the Holy Ghost, and then you would go and be a door opener for a generation that you would go through and witness and share your faith. Why do we have king's kids? Because we need babysitting? God, no. We're raising up a generation that'll change the world. That's not a, that's not a babysitting center, that's a discipling center. Why do we have youth, Minister David? So we don't have them in the service on their phones? Yes, that's actually one of the reasons. No, I'm, I'm kidding. So that we can raise up a generation that is full of the fire of the Holy Ghost and walks in purity, that walks in the promises of God, the father of generation. Why do, why do we do it? we do? We do it so to, to equip you, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. A door of opportunity. Turn to Matthew. Chapter 7. I just finished. ETS is called Eat the Scroll. I do it Monday through Saturday at 1230. It's on Facebook and YouTube until they kick us off. But for now, we're, we're able to do that. And our friend went to his app because they kicked him off of YouTube. So maybe we'll end up doing that. I don't know. But for now, we'll use those and to teach and encourage you and strengthen you. So we just finished a whole Sermon on the Mount series about, I think it's 19, 18 or 19 different messages on the Sermon on the Mount. And Matthew 7, as I studied that, I want you to turn there, Matthew 7. This text, I didn't know Jesus, I was a little pagan. I had some religious background, I was in high school, I was in 10th grade, I was sitting about six or seven rows back where all the 10th graders had to sit at chapel. An Episcopal school that was twice dead and pulled up from the roots. I don't think anybody was saved except, oh, fully, except for Reverend Sheeran. I think he might have been saved, as I look back. Kind, gracious, gentle man. Broken-hearted, gentle, kind. And he was the first one that taught me the Bible. But still, I wasn't saved, and I only took it because I heard it was an easy class. Oh really, I, I did. I got my first Thompson chain and 10th grade, I'm sitting five rows back in the, in the sophomore section next to my, my friend. I'm sure we would have been texting or something if we had phones, we wouldn't have back then we did other things that distracted us. Spitballs. Does anybody remember making those? Um I had a special gift for making a high-powered spitball gun. Now it's before all the fancy pens. They had it, we had Bic pens. Anybody remember the Bic pen? Right, you didn't have all the fine point and the medium point. <laughs> Architects had that, but school school you know students and teachers had black and 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 blue and red. That's the only colors you had. Bic, you remember Bic? Well, we, we took big pens and we take out the inside of that, you know, with your teeth. How I many you know what I'm talking about? You pull that out. Then you have this clear piece of plastic. Then what you do is you take a, a rod from, a, hair, from a, a, a hanger. You bend a hanger, you have a little rod that fits perfectly in there, and you pop the end off. You know, that little cap, that little blue, black, red cap. Then you have a cylinder. You take tape. And you tape that little hole that's in the middle of that cylinder. How many of you know the air hole? Because it has to, has to breathe. To let, how many of you know what I'm talking about? All right. This is a DIY high-powered spitball gun. You tape that with a piece of scotch tape or whatever you want. Then you, you take a wad of paper and you chew it up. It's got to be the right size. It's got to be tight but not too tight. And you put it in. The back part of the big pen. Are you following me? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, all the kids are listening. They, then you. <laughs> we are listening like big time. I wish. I, does anybody have a big pen? <laughs> We're like, do you have one right now? Right now? Oh, let me see. <laughs> if I destroy it. Uh, I don't know if this one will work. It's the old school, old school. That's it. That's it. Weapon. Look. At, well, you're one of the, you know, some people can use pens till they run out of ink. Very good stewardship. Very good. Very impressed. Now, listen, if I don't tie this into the message, you'll just enjoy it as a whole. The end comes off. You pop out that back part, and you put tape over that little hole right there. Then you have a cylinder. Then you take... <laughs> are we in church right now? The youth are on the edge of their seats. They're like, no way, come on, show me. It's like a potato gun, but small style. You, take a, you, you pop off that back piece, and then you take a, a piece of spitball, and you stick it in there, and you ram it all the way. No, no, no. You ram it all the way to the tip. Then what you do is you take a, another piece and you put it the back. And then you hold it like this. And you take, your, you, take your, you take your coat hanger or your rod and you put it in the back. And then you compress the air within this cylinder. And when that thing shoots out, if you've done it right, it will sting you in the neck. Jack. Oh, yeah, come on. (laughs) Welcome to King's, where we teach you to do high-powered spitballs. I wish I could make one right now while I continue to preach, and then I would shoot it. It would be so much fun. What are we talking about? Oh, yeah, Matthew 7. So there we are messing around. And this, this verse of Scripture comes across the pulpit from somebody who had probably split hell wide open. People didn't care about God, but they had to religiously read the word. And the word has power. And he read, ask, and it'll be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened unto you. And when that was read, it was like somebody hit me in the heart. Whoa, I mean, I felt like, I I literally felt a weight hit me. And I thought, what does that mean? And I said to my friend, hey, dude. He's like, what? I'm like, what did that mean? He goes, I don't know. I'm like, okay. I thought, what does that mean? That's amazing. You know, what? one of the deepest, darkest hours of my life, that scripture came to mind. And I remember yelling at God, which he doesn't mind if you yell. I was I was in a yelling mood. I needed help. I said, "I'm asking. I'm seeking. I'm knocking." God, He heard my cry. This is all present tense. In other words, ask and keep on asking. Come on, somebody say, "Ask and keep on asking." Because there's demonic power that wants to shut you up and keep you from asking and keep you from knocking and keep you from seeking to get you to throw in the towel it's so hard or it didn't happen yet. Quit, come on, quit bellyaching. Get some gumption. Ask God to empower you and continue to move forward because there's an open door if you do. The only thing some of these guys are going to remember is my spitball gun. Psalm 24, verse 7, lift up your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. For those who are here, perhaps you felt hemmed in. Perhaps you felt like doors have been closed, but I declare to you today that doors are open or opening or waiting for you to stick the key in it and open the door. Come on, somebody say, I'm gonna open the door. Come on, say, I'm gonna ask, I'm gonna seek, I'm gonna knock. How's that gonna happen? God's gonna help us to overpower and move through obstacles. He's been doing it all along and will continue to do so. Verse eight says, "I I know your works. See, I've set before you an open door, back to Revelation three, and no one can shut it. For you have little strength That word, that term, little strength, does not imply weakness, but actually real strength. You see, if you understand, if you understand in your weakness is strength is made perfect. Many people have to, they're like, how many of you ever felt like you just want to throw in the towel, you want to give up, I'm done, I've had it, I'm done, I'm through. I can't go another day, I can't continue in this mess, I can't do it. How many of you ever felt like that? Welcome to the human race. And in that, if you'll call on the name of the Lord, he will give you real strength. Even when you've come to the end of yourself, it's a, middle of a, it's a beginning of a great breakthrough. Sometimes we can be too strong, too big, too confident. If you're, if you're outside of God, outside of his word, outside of his enablement, when you're weak, as Paul said, his strength is made perfect. You've kept my word and not denied my ma- My name kept my word and not denied my name. The church in Philadelphia was faithful to Jesus and his word. We're going to be faithful to Jesus and his word. The idea behind have not denied my name is not only that they've expressed their allegiance to Jesus, but they've lived in such a way that was faithful to the name and the character of Jesus. So ask yourself that question. Are you denying his name. In other words, the way in which you live, does that honor him and his word? No, I'm not talking about somebody coming up to you and saying, do you love Jesus? And you say, I love Jesus. How about how about showing that you love Jesus in the valley when you feel like you want to do something perverse or something that's wrong, and you it's pulling you and sucking you in the wrong direction. And you're like, no! Some of you need to tell yourself no. Persecution, this is... I mean, it's amazing to me that some of the things that are taking place, even in the lives of some of my friends and the friends of this house, it's amazing that it's taking place. It's amazing that you'd stand up for righteousness, you preach the Word of God with boldness, and people want to kill you for it. And, 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 then, and, and people published his name, published his address, published his phone numbers online, and, and a, a crazy crew of anarchists basically come, trying to hunt him down, still trying to hunt him down. He can't go back to his house because they're trying to kill him. And it's not a joke. It's like it's real. It's organized. Hacked hacked his cloud, hacked his, hacked all his stuff. Professional people that are coming after him because he's preaching the truth. Difficult circumstances, verse 10, because you've kept because you've kept my command to persevere. That's past tense. That means they went through some stuff. I will also keep you in the hour of the trial that shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell in. Behold, I'm coming quickly. Hold fast that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. And he shall go out no more. I'll write on him a new name, the name of my God. What a powerful text. City of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from heaven of my God, and I will write on him a new name. He has ears to hear. I don't know all that this means. It could mean regarding the tribulation. It could mean the rapture, the catching away of the saints. Certainly, certainly could mean that. In the midst of circumstances in your mind or things where they're impossible, God says... I will open a door for you. Whatever you face all the days of your life, know that God will open a door. He will make a way of escape. No temptation has seized you except that which is common to man. God will release his power to you so you can resist, so you can stand, so you can ask, so you can knock, so you can seek. He will open a door for you. You're the apple of his eye. You're the object of His affection. You're the reason He came. Come on, lift your hands. God gives us promises. He gives us opportunities. He shows favor to us. To keep us. My wife and I have, it's hard to talk about because I'll get choked up and start weeping, but Pastor Carradine calls it the keep, he's kept us, the keeping power of God. I think you've preached on it before. It's amazing to me. I'm not nearly smart enough. Neither are you. And if you do think you are, you've entered into pride and opened the door to the devil. He'll keep you times we faced obstacles and challenges in the church, in our family. We're standing with the lives of, of church family and people even on the other side of the country and stood in agreement and prayed. God, open a door. Open the door. And He does it time and time and time again. It's an opportunity. He'll keep you. He'll honor us by making us, I mean, this is amazing. If he hasn't done it all already, this is a picture of his rewards. There's a whole study on rewards to the believer. He'll honor you by making you a pillar. I'm not even sure all that that means. But someone of significance, when they look and they say, oh, that's, that's that woman that opened the door. Actually, there's no male or female in heaven, but they'll see you say, oh, he's a pillar. Wally's a pillar in the house of God. And and there's there's many others. What what makes a pillar? Somebody who steadfastly serves God. Rick and Glennie are pillars. I mean, there's many here. Pillars. People that you can come and you can lean on. What are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? We're gonna pray. We're gonna see God come through. 50 years of walking with God, seeing miracles and limbs grow back and all kinds of craziness. Some of you are leaning on a reed. Some of you are leaning on a blade of grass and wondering why you got no support. There's pillars here, there's pillars in this house. And God is making many into pillars. The obstacle and the problem, the trial that you're facing right now, it's, it's designed to push you forward into the things of God. It's designed to make you into the image of Jesus. And even if it is the devil, you bind, you loose, you take authority, and you come out the other side, not even smelling like smoke. The fourth man showed up in the furnace, give him praise. Some of you in a fire, you're just screaming, don't you love me, God? Yes. Tell the fire to go out. Quit throwing yourself in the flames. I thank God that this church has this wide, very wide swath of age. From the 80s to still wet behind the ears. God honors us by making us a pillar in the house. And that, that's specifically talking about heaven. But in ancient times, he would construct a pillar as a memorial. In the ancient city, let me read this to you. This comes from a commentary. The ancient city of Philadelphia, they suffered from frequent earthquakes. And when a building collapsed in an earthquake, often all that remained were standing with these huge pillars. You can look today in, in ancient architecture. And see, just the columns are left. The pillars are left. Jesus Jesus offers us the same strength. That no matter what happens in this great nation of ours, no matter what happens in the world, no matter what befalls you or befalls me, that we will stand. Oh, shaking for certain. He's going to shake what that can be shaken so that what remains is of him. Earthquakes, absolutely. Wars, rumors of wars, and the like. These are the birth pains. We are in. We're in the end of the age. But a pastor friend of mine being persecuted, he's going to stand. He's going to receive a reward. Come on, someone say, I'm going to stand. True pillars in the church support the church. They look to Jesus as their support, but they support a local church. If you don't have a local church, I'd encourage you to be a part of this one. If you've been offended, come back two or three more times. You shall go out no more. It's a place of permanence. It's a place of stability in God. You know, I'm so glad that I'm not like in my 20s anymore. I mean, God bless all the 20-year-olds. I'm so glad that I'm 54. I'm so glad that we have gotten to the place where there is no doubt. I have zero doubt in my life about God bringing me through. I've, I've been gone through so many tests already. I've been through them so many, right? Are there more? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Obstacles? Mm Mm-hmm. Problems? No. Challenges? Is it going to take you out? Impossible. Unless, of course, I backslide. Pastor Karen would kill me before that would happen, so. (laughs) I have no plans on backsliding. I have every plan on finishing and becoming a pillar And standing in a place of permanence and receiving the full reward that he has offered to me as I finish the race, forgetting that which lies behind, I press on to the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I have every plan and every hope that there's a door that's going to open for me, for us, for you, and for all who seek and knock and ask. Every single person here, you don't have to stay in a place of despondency. You don't have to stay in a place of, of rejection. Throw that thing off and enter on into the acceptance that comes only by the blood, by the blood of the Lamb, and be transformed. He'll transform you. You used to be a reed, but now you're a pillar. Come on, somebody. Ah. He'll transform us. I'll write on him a new name. It's a picture of a new identity. Second Corinthians 5:17. To any man that is in Christ, I will make a new creation. You have to trade in your old self and get a new one. You got to be born again. It's 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 transformation. An overcomer, the Bible says. New Jerusalem, a new name of Jesus. It's a marking of identification because it shows who you belong to. Come on, someone say, there's an open door. And I'm getting a new name. I'm no longer a reed. Say it. I'm going to become a pillar. Wow. Will you go through it? Will you go through the open door? I have every intention of going through In fact, I'm betting my life on it. Challenges and obstacles are really springboards of promotion to those who are trained by them and who will call on the name of the Lord. There's an open door saying, there's an open door. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.